All right, everybody, we are back this time with UFC Vegas 81, Yusuf versus Barbosa in the main event in the featherweight division between rising contender in Super Sadiq Yusuf taking on a former top contender in the lightweight division coming off of a tremendous knockout over Billy Quarantillo in Edson Jr. Barbosa. So without any further ado, let's get this started and step into the ring. All right, everybody, back at it again. Last week, I don't think I was the only one, but no excuses. Awful prediction week. Um, I am going to give myself a little bit of credit, though, because I did not watch tape for that card. I barely watched any tape. I kind of just went off memory, went off what I knew. And the one thing I've learned is you have to watch tape. You can get away with not watching tape on the Contender Series. You cannot at the highest level in the UFC. So this week, I did my homework. I watched some tape. Not as much as I normally watch, but I did watch tape on about every single fight we're going to break down, except for the co-main event. So I'm just going to try to go off memory on that one. Um, but one thing I do know is that from now on, I'm not betting women's MMA. Um, there have been a few times where I've sniped some good unders or taken a few underdogs. You know, like I'm not saying I'm the worst MMA women's MMA predictor of all time, but I don't do the best predicting women's MMA. It's never been my strongest suit. I'm better with breaking down the men's fights, breaking down the men's divisions, you know, having more tape, having more time to look at tendencies and favorite combinations and things like that. So from now on, no women's MMA betting because Montana De La Rosa killed like almost every parlay I had uh, this past weekend. I thought for sure she'd beat Aldrich. And if you tailed with the underdog, you, you know, had a great night. I did bet Pfeiffer by sub round two, round three at plus 2,000. However, I paired it with LGO sub round two, round three. I believe I got that from John Kelly uh, over on YouTube or, you know, his little articles that he writes. I like the guy. I think he's a very good predictor, and I'm not going to blame him for getting it wrong. I know there's some people who would come on here and be like, oh, you know, screw that guy. Nah, man, it's MMA. That's what happens. Um, I should have just played it by itself. Ten bucks would have paid 200 and, uh, you know, it is what it is, but 10 bucks on that two leg parlay paid 2,500. So, you know, lose 10 bucks or gain 2,500, you know, you, you know, sometimes you get a little greedy and I feel like that's what happened this past weekend. I got greedy and you know, that's, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Sometimes we're not going to break down the whole card. Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm only going to break down, uh, one prelim. So I'm going to skip most of the prelims. And then I will break down the entire main card for you. Um, we'll kick it off in the prelims in the headliner between Darren the Damage Elkins taking on downtown TJ Brown. Elkins coming in 27 and 11, 17 victories, 10 defeats on the side of downtown TJ Brown. Uh, Brown had that win over Eric Silva, where I believe he was a decent sized underdog. Uh, he might have been the favorite, but I, I feel like I heard a lot of people taking. Eric Silva in that fight, he was able to get that job done. I believe he won via submission. Uh, he went in against Bill Elgio. I backed TJ Brown as an underdog against Elgio. I think he was plus 180, plus 190, and uh, he got dropped. It was close in the beginning, competitive on the feet, but eventually got dropped and then got submitted by Bill Elgio. We took Elgio over uh, Alexander Hernandez this last weekend, and it looked pretty good. You know, it was a good bet. 
Um, but yeah, looking at Elkins versus TJ Brown, I mean, Elkins has taken so much damage in his career. I mean, his nickname is literally the damage. He has it tattooed on his chest. And this guy is not the cleanest technically. He doesn't have the best defense, but he's durable. He's determined. And you can hit this guy with the kitchen sink and, you know, he doesn't really go down. Now, he got finished by Cub Swanson. He's been finished in other fights as well, but he has that embrace the grind style. I know he knocked out Mirsad Bektic in that crazy comeback win, you know, years ago with that head kick up against the cage and he folded him. Um, but Elkins is not known for having the best punching power. Elkins is not known for having knockout power. Elkins is known for forward pressure in your face, push you against the cage, get takedowns, look for submissions, look for ground and pound, and he's just going to look to tire you out. Now, I do think that TJ Brown does have some cardio issues and that going into the midpoint of the second round and into the third round, TJ Brown could get taken down, could get controlled, could get out-wrestled, and could get submitted. So, you know, if you're on the side of Elkins, you probably think forward pressure, survive the early storm because Brown is powerful. He's technical. He has decent shots on the feet. His defense isn't the best, but he can throw and he can throw heavy power into his combinations. He's a decent wrestler as well with some good jujitsu in his own right. But the places we've seen him struggle are later in fights with the cardio and sometimes his durability isn't the best. Um, I think Elkins and the, I feel like the, the wrestling between Elkins and Brown is going to kind of cancel out because they both can wrestle. They both have good scrambles. Um, but I am going to side with the younger fighter in downtown TJ Brown here. I just feel like he has more left in the tank. Um, he has more to give the UFC and MMA than Darren Elkins has at this point in his career. Uh, Elkins is good. Elkins is tough. Elkins is durable. You can never 100% count on a fighter like Darren Elkins because, like I said, he is that guy where he can be down and find a way to win. But I just feel like those moments are going to be few and far between at this point in his career. And with the power, explosiveness, of TJ Brown on the feet with his wrestling in his own right, the grappling, the top control. The only thing I really worry about is his cardio and, you know, him getting broken and, 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 and you know, breaking down towards that midpoint of the second round and into the third. But I do think Brown should be the favorite here. I'm surprised he's a two-to-one favorite. I was thinking maybe minus 160, minus 170. But I am going to side with downtown TJ Brown here. Um, I think he gets the win via decision. I could see him TKOing Darren Elkins. I don't think he gets a submission, but I could see him ground and pound TKOing him. I could see him catching him with a big shot on the feet and cracking him. You know, he's had his chin cracked in the past. He's been rocked multiple times, has Elkins. Um, and I think eventually, like, there is that point where you just can't take a shot anymore. And TJ Brown might be the guy because he does have good technical boxing, decent footwork, and can throw combinations and has power behind his punches. But I am going to think that he probably just makes it the full distance. I could see a ground and pound TKO as well. But I'm going to go with the favorite in downtown TJ Brown to get back on the winning track after that loss to Bill Elgio. And I'm going to go Brown by 29-28 unanimous decision. Uh, but like I said, looking at the odds, minus 192, minus 200. I think TJ Brown is a decent parlay piece. Um, but I wouldn't tie all of your plays to him going into this weekend because he is a guy that I could see, you know, shitting the bed later on during the fight, down the stretch, midpoint of the second into the third. Maybe Elkins can come back, land the, the power, you know, break him with the pressure and eventually get him out of there or just have a really big third round to the point where maybe a, a, the fight goes to a draw. If he loses the first two, gets 10 aided in round or uh, gets a 10-8 in round three. But I am going to side with Brown here as the favorite. All right, moving on, we've got the Main card opener, and the fight that I'm probably the most excited to talk about between Christian Rodriguez 
taking on Cameron Simon. Simon, undefeated in the UFC, undefeated as a pro in mixed martial arts at 9-0. Christian Rodriguez, nine victories, one defeat. Uh, coming off that big upset victory as a 2-1 to underdog against Raul Rosas Jr., where a lot of people just expected him to give up his back, get choked, and get submitted. And then you saw what Raul Rosas Jr. just did against Terrence Mitchell, TKOing him in the first round. We backed Raul Rosas Jr. by TKO at, I think, plus 300, plus 320. Um, so that was a good night for us. But looking at Cameron Simon versus Christian Rodriguez, I would say this is a fight do not bet on. Do not bet on this fight. I think that this is two up-and-comers. This is a guy where Christian Rodriguez has more experience. Even though the records are close, he has more UFC experience, and UFC experience does pay dividends and does play a factor when breaking down fights. Uh, Simon is a decent striker. He mainly fights out of that southpaw stance. He's looking to land that jab, looking to follow up with the left cross. Uh, has a beautiful right switch kick to the body, can throw left head kicks, uh, spinning wheel kicks, question mark kicks. He mixes it up very well. Very good outside low kick going up against the same stance fighter. Or I'm sorry, uh, opposite stance fighter in the orthodox fighter. He likes to attack that lead outside low kick, and then chop the inside. But usually it's lead outside low kick off of like that lead hook, and then he'll fire with that left body kick. He'll fire with the left head kick. Uh, he mixes up his kicks very well, and that is one thing I think he has an advantage in this fight over Rodriguez in is his overall kicking activity and his kicking technique. I think the best options for Simon to win this fight is going to be with the kicking games or uh, kicking technique, mixing up his kicks. I think the boxing might be ever so slightly edged toward Cameron Simon, but I do think Rodriguez is technical in his own right with his boxing. He's calm. He's patient. He gets on that front foot, and he can put his combinations together. He's probably better in the clinch. I would say Rodriguez is better inside the clinch with elbows, um, framing off uppercuts, looking for takedowns, stuffing the opponent's takedowns, and you know spinning and taking his back. The biggest thing I like for Rodriguez is his calm demeanor, his calmness, his ability to stay patient even in bad spots. Like against Rosas Jr., he gave up his back. Rosas jumped on his back. I mean, he pretty much had that choke in, except Rodriguez kept his chin down. I mean, he was on his back, jumped on his back in the body triangle, almost got the rear naked choke and was able to get out and then eventually slow down Rosas Jr. And I don't think Rosas Jr. and Cameron Simon are the same fighter. I would say Cameron Simon has better striking than Rosas Jr. So he's a more he's more of a threat on the feet against Rodriguez than Rosas was. But at the same time, I love the calmness of Rodriguez in the storm. And I think that's what makes the difference here. Simon is good. Simon has power. Simon has good technical kicking. Like I said, I think he's going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage with his boxing combinations and the way he tries to set up that left hand. Uh, I think Christian Rodriguez is going to be looking for combinations and is going to be able to slip his punches inside the wide looping punches of uh, Simon. The one thing I will say is that looking at both of these fighters, they both are good grapplers, but I do give the wrestling advantage to Rodriguez because I feel like he uses his wrestling offensively off of using it defensively first. He will stop the opponent's takedowns, sprawl, you know, keep his back to the cage so the opponent can't take the back. If they do take the back, he'll, he'll be patient and calm and then eventually get the opponent to tire out, find ways to get on top and get into an offensive position off of him being defensively responsible from the opponent's mistakes. And that is where I think the biggest difference is here. Simon kind of is a little bit overzealous and a little bit wild, kind of like his training partner in Drickus Duplessis. And it works for guys who have big, big power like Drickus. 
I don't think it works for Simon at the highest level. I don't think it works against a fighter as seasoned, as durable, as experienced as a Christian Rodriguez. I think Rodriguez is going to be able to find openings in the scrambles against Simon. Now, can Simon jump on his back, potentially submit him? Yes. Does Simon have good jujitsu? Does he have good top control? Yeah, absolutely. But against a fighter who's so calm, against a fighter who stays patient in the scrambles, against a fighter who finds ways to get on top and can get out of really bad positions and then work have it work to his advantage by using his offense after using his defense. I like that again about Christian Rodriguez. I just feel like Rodriguez is a little bit cleaner in the boxing and a little bit cleaner in the scrambles and the top position control. Um, I th- I'm going to go with Christian Rodriguez here. I've never picked against Cameron Simon. I did fade Rodriguez against Rosas in that fight. I don't want to fade Rodriguez again. I don't think he's a guy to fade. I, it's a close fight. Like I said, I wouldn't 100% bet on him. Um, I think he's like minus 130, minus 140 as a favorite, but I am going to take C-Rod. I'm going to take Christian Rodriguez to defeat Cameron Simon via, I'm going to go a third round uh, ground and pound TKO. I think eventually he just slows down Simon. Um, we've seen Simon get caught, get clipped on the feet because of his wild style, because of the fact that he kind of leans forward on his punches and will lean forward and kind of overcommit on his takedown attempts that can lead into knees like we saw Rodriguez use against Rosas. Um, I think Rosas was a good litmus test for a fighter in Simon for Rodriguez. But like I said, Simon is a lot more technical on the feet, so it's going to be a little bit more dangerous. But I do favor the composure, uh, the scrambling ability, and the overall you know, calmness under fire with Christian Rodriguez. So give me Christian Rodriguez or Christian C-Rod Rodriguez to defeat Cameron Simon via third round ground and pound TKO. I could see it going decision. If you're going to bet it, I would say bet money line or bet uh, over one and a half. If they give you the two and a half, it might be a little bit juicy, um, but I would say over one and a half rounds or uh, Christian Rodriguez on the money line would probably be my favorite play to target for this fight, but I am going to go with C-Rod for that third round TKO. All right. Up next, you've got Edgar Chirez taking on Daniel Lacerda. This fight just took place a few weeks ago, and uh, it got deemed a no contest. Sorry, guys. It got called a no contest because, you know, Chirez had that standing uh, Darce choke. It was like a, I think it was an anaconda, standing anaconda choke. And then the ref checked the arm. He was there. Then he dropped his arm. It went limp. The ref didn't check it a second time, and then they stopped the fight. But you saw right when the choke broke, Lacerda was up. He was running around, whatever, and saying, like, no, no, no. So they, it was called a no contest. But looking at this fight, uh, I do not agree with the line, man. I think Lacerda was plus 180 going into the last one, and now he's plus 245. It's almost a complete flip. Um, he was still the underdog, but I, I don't agree with this. I mean, what did you really see? From that last fight, yeah, he probably was going to submit him, but you can't say 100% because if Lacerda just stayed calm, stayed patient, and was able to get out of that choke, maybe Chirez burns his arms out. Maybe Chirez gets tired, and you saw Lacerda be able to get that head on the inside single dump very easily, and maybe it was because Chirez was going to look to attack the neck. Maybe it was because he was going to try to attack a Darce choke as he fell off to the one side. You know, that that is possible, but Lacerda got the takedowns early or um, without much resistance, even though the fight ended in round one. I do think later in the fight, 
it definitely goes to Chires, but we also saw that Daniel Lacerda was staying patient. He was staying calm, which is something that we needed to see because he was always very, very solid. He's the best 0-4-1 fighter that the UFC has ever seen. He's always been technical. He's always been explosive. He has spinning wheel kicks, head kicks, good punches down the middle, good straight punches, good uppercuts, uh, can, can really throw heavy, dangerous shots on the feet, and he does have jujitsu and grappling. It's just been... He gets too excited, gets overzealous, and, you know, blows his cardio gas tank later on in the fights, and then that's when he starts to slow down and get crushed. I do think Chirez is live later in the fight, but I do not think at minus 305, you back Edgar Chirez. I don't know what you saw aside from the submission attempts that make you think like, oh, Chirez is going to dominate here. Because when you give somebody a minus 300, you're pretty much saying they're going to win. So... 75, 85% of the time. And I just don't see that, man. I really don't. I don't think Chires wins this fight that many times with the technical striking of Lacerda, with the fact that he was patient in his last performance against Chires, even though it was a no contest, he was more patient. He was letting the fight come to him. Um, yeah, his defense wasn't the best, but I mean, at these odds, man, I'm going to back Lacerda again. I picked him in the last one. I'm going to pick him again. Uh, I know it might not be the smartest pick, I definitely wouldn't parlay Lacerda unless you want to do like a crazy parlay for the odds. Um, but I am going to go with Lacerda, man. I'm, I think he catches Chires, and uh, I think he knocks him out. I think we might see a case of Chires coming into this fight a lot more confident, but a little too overconfident and um, giving himself openings to be exploited or giving Lacerda openings, which he can exploit. And I kind of see that being the case here. I'm going to go with the plus 245. The odds are just ridiculous to me. I, I don't really see what you saw in the last fight to give those odds, aside from the fact that he probably was going to submit him, but you, you know, you never know. He was just staying patient and staying calm. He wasn't going crazy. He wasn't squirming. He didn't fall to the ground when the choke got released. He wasn't gasping for air. So, you know, you can't really make a whole lot of assumptions based on that referee stoppage. But I am going to go with Lacerda. I do think he's the better fighter. I do think skill for skill, he's the better fighter. I think Chirez has the better cardio. I think Chirez is live uh, second and third round. But I just feel like Lacerda can get this done, man. I, he needs a win. He was more patient in the last one, which is a good look going into this one. Um, he stayed more patient. He didn't overcommit. He didn't blow his gas tank early. And, yeah, I'm going to go with Daniel Lacerda. So give me Daniel Lacerda or Daniel Da Silva Lacerda, whatever his name is, to win. I'm going to go via a second round TKO. I think he's going to catch him with a body kick, hurt him, catch him with a shot up top and get him out of there. So Daniel Lacerda, second round TKO victory over Edgar Chirez. All right, up next on the card, you've got a middleweight battle between Andre Petroski taking on Michel Demolidor Pereira. I'm going to be honest, Michelle Pereira and Andre Petrovsky, this is a tough fight to break down because you have grappler versus striker, and that's exactly what we're getting here. Petrovsky is going to be the better top positional control fighter. He's going to get the takedowns. He's going to have better top control. He's going to be able to out-grapple and probably submit or TKO Michelle Pereira if the fight does get into his wheelhouse on the mat. However, if the fight stays on the feet, Pereira is going to be quicker. He's going to have better movement. 
whoo, excuse me, better distance control, better distance management, and the ability to explode and, you know, exploit the defensive irresponsibility in the defensive holes of Andre Petrovsky. Petrovsky does get tired down the stretch. You know, if he shoots for takedowns over and over and over again, it is going to be difficult for him to get those takedowns later in the fight if Pereira is able to get back up, if Pereira is able to survive the onslaught, survive the submission attempts. And, you know, eventually he'll probably get TKO'd late in the fight if he can stop the takedowns. But, like we said, if Petrovsky gets the takedowns, he will get on top. He will probably ground and pound, and he probably will submit Michelle Pereira. I think this is a fight where you back Petrovsky by sub or Pereira by knockout in terms of a betting perspective. I could see Petrovsky getting a decision if he's able to just slow down Pereira enough, get enough takedowns, get the top control time. I could see it getting into a decision where the takedowns and the top control and the submission attempts of Petrovsky win him the fight over the striking success that Pereira has. But this is a middleweight fight, and Michelle Pereira is a 170-pound fighter. And the biggest difference in going up in weight from any weight class, but I'll say 170 to 185. Yes, the striking power is a big difference, but the grappling, the top control, and the top pressure from a heavier, stronger fighter is where the difference is going to be made. So if Petrovsky's able to get those takedowns, if he's able to get into the top position against Pereira, I believe he will be able to submit or finish Pereira from the top position. He's moving up in weight. You know, Michelle Pereira's a 170-er. He's going to be faster. He's going to be quicker. He's going to be more explosive on the feet. Petrovsky does get hit. I do think Pereira has the opportunity to knock out Petrovsky, but I do think moving up in weight, that weight difference and the strength advantage that Petrovsky is going to have with his already technical grappling, jiu-jitsu, and top control advantage, scrambling advantage, positional advantages that he's going to have against Pereira on the ground, um, it's going to make Pereira kind of a fish out of water if Petrovsky does get those takedowns. If he doesn't get the takedowns, Pereira's probably going to knock him out. So you have to think, what side do you back? Do you back the striking power, finesse, uh, footwork, explosiveness, movement, and you know lateral in-and-out movement of Pereira? Or do you back the grappling, forward pressure, submission game, top control, uh, scrambling ability, and control, like positional control advantages that Petrovsky is going to have? Based on the fact that Pereira is moving up in weight, I know this fight is short notice, but I'm going to back the grappler here against the striker. I'm going to back Petrovsky. I think he's plus 100, plus 105 as the underdog. Um, I don't think he's a great parlay piece, but I do think he's a decent bet. I would say Petrovsky by submission or Petrovsky on the money line is probably going to be your best bet. Um, if you're backing Michelle Pereira, you probably just back him by knockout because he's not going to submit Petrovsky, I don't see it. I mean, I've seen him get submissions in the past, but I don't think he submits a grappler the caliber of Petrovsky, and I don't think he wins a decision. So I would say if you're backing Michelle Pereira, you'd probably take Pereira by knockout. If you're backing Petrovsky, you'd be Petrovsky by sub or double chance method of victory sub or uh, decision. But I am going to side with the much better grappler here. I think that he's going to get in close. He's going to push Pereira up against the cage. Pereira does have a 94% takedown defense rate, but again, he is moving up in weight from 170 to 185. So how much is that strength advantage of Petrovsky, the grappling advantage, the wrestling advantage, going to take control and show its head during the fight? So 
I'm going to go with Petrovsky to have, you know, some sketchy moments early on, but get that takedown, get the top control, and get the submission. So give me the underdog at plus 105 and Andre Petrovsky to defeat Michelle Pereira via second round arm triangle choke submission. Up next, we move to a battle in the bantamweight division, a firefight, a great fight between top 15 ranked fighters and the number 13 ranked Jonathan Martinez taking on the number 14 ranked Adrian Yanez. Yanez coming off that knockout loss in round one to Rob Font. He tried to box the boxer and it didn't work out. He was getting caught with the jab, getting caught with the one-two, getting caught with the one-two switch to, you know, moving, walking forward into southpaw from the orthodox stance. Uh, was getting caught with that big right uppercut. It was like an uppercut or hook hybrid, and then eventually got caught again with that big right hook. Dropped and then TKO'd in round one. He played with fire a little bit too long. Going up against Jonathan Martinez, Adrian Yanez is going to have the speed and the boxing advantage in this fight. The hand speed, the boxing technique, you know, using the jab, you know, five, six, seven punch combinations. He's going to have the advantage there. Jonathan Martinez is going to have the kicking advantage. We've seen Yanez go up against kickers in the past. Um, even the win against Tony Kelly, even though it was in the first round, he was getting hit with some body kicks. He was getting hit with some teep kicks, and he is a little bit susceptible to kicks. We saw him get head kicked by Randy Costa. I uh, was getting kind of chopped up and pieced up with the kicks more than the punches, and that's really where the damage from Costa accrued on the face of Adrian Yanez and on the body until he was able to stop him with that body shot, and then another rip up top. Martinez is going to be the more powerful kicker. Martinez is going to be the better outside fighter. The better inside fighter is going to be Yanez in the boxing range. Uh, the clinch range, I think, might be a little bit 50-50, but I would probably give the advantage in the clinch to Jonathan Martinez. I feel like he's probably going to be a little better in the over-unders, better in the double underhooks, pushing Adrian Yanez up against the cage and trying to you know get control time. I do think he will be the stronger fighter. But I think the technical boxing and the power in the hands of Yanez is going to be the biggest disadvantage for Jonathan Martinez in this fight. Um, we saw against Saeed Nurmagomedov, sometimes he was getting clipped with big punches by throwing his kicks. He was leaving himself open on some kicks and getting clipped. And I think that that could be very similar to what Adrian Yanez does because we saw him do that against Tony Kelly. He was throwing kicks leaving himself open on body kicks or low kicks, and then Yanez was bracing and countering or stepping in and countering. I think we see a very similar approach here against Jonathan Martinez. Even though he is a southpaw, so it's going to be southpaw versus orthodox, we're going to be looking for the outside foot positioning, the lead left foot of Yanez on the outside of the lead right foot of Martinez, which is going to open up that back power left kick to the body. I think inside left low kicks, like we saw Martinez showcase against Cub Swanson, the left body kicks, and then trying to mix it up with the hands is going to be the game plan. But I think eventually Yanez is going to be able to find that distance and range. He's going to be able to find that timing, and he's going to be able to step in on those kicks and land his beautiful boxing combinations on the chin of Jonathan Martinez and eventually get him out of there. Now, Martinez is tough. He is durable, but he has been knocked out a few times in the past. Yanez just got knocked out by Rob Font, but I think, I think Martinez would get knocked out by Font as well. Um, and we've seen him get rocked rocked or clipped in his fights before, just like the Randy Costa fight, but he came back to win. I just have a little bit more faith in the technical ability, the speed, and the boxing of Adrian Yanez than I do with Martinez being able to keep it at kicking range and keep 
Adrian Yanez away for him away from him long enough to win a decision. I don't think Martinez is going to knock out Adrian Yanez. We've seen him knock out fighters before. We've seen him stop fighters like Cub Swanson with low kicks. I could see him attacking with those low kicks, but I don't think he stops Yanez with calf kicks or low kicks. Even though I do think the check right hook, the straight left, you know, the lead outside low kick against the orthodox fighter, the left pow- uh, power back body kick is going to be the weapons that we see Martinez use. Staying on the outside, trying to angle off to his lead side all the time, pop that left body kick, straight left, right hook. But I think eventually Yanez is going to counter one of those big kicks with a combination. Fire that right hand, fire that left hook, fire that right uppercut. He's going to catch Martinez on the chin, and he's going to get him out of there. I'm not super confident in the finish, but I do see Inez's hands being able to catch Martinez and get him out of there. I wouldn't back inside the distance, but I'm going to take Adrian Yanez as the favorite to defeat Jonathan Dragon Martinez via a second-round knockout. I think he's just going to you know, crash the pocket off one of those kicks of Martinez. Even though they are very quick, they are very powerful, and he's going to rip to the body, come back up top with a big shot and knock out the dragon. So give me Adrian Yanez via second-round knockout over Jonathan Martinez. All right, now we go into the co-main event of the evening in the women's flyweight division. This is the fight I did not tape. I did not watch tape on, so you probably don't want to take my opinion on this one. You know, but it's a closely lined fight. Minus 130, number nine ranked Jennifer Maya. You know, had some decent moments against Valentina Shevchenko. Got her back, almost submitted her. Not almost submitted her, but had some control. Got some takedowns. Going up against Viviane Araujo, who comes in as the number 11 ranked flyweight in her division as well. She is coming off of a decision loss, I believe, in her last fight. Let me check. Um, Yeah, she lost via decision to Amanda Hivas. Prior to that fight, she... Lost via decision to Alexa Grasso. Before that, beat Andrea Lee via decision. Lost to Caitlin Chukagian via decision. Beat Roxanne Montefiore via decision. Looking at Jennifer Maya's last fight, she is coming off a decision win over Casey O'Neill. O'Neill is a very, very solid fighter. That was her first loss in pro MMA. She had a decision win over Marina Moroz. And then a decision loss to Amanon Firo. And then a decision loss to Caitlin Chukagian. I'm going to be honest. I think that the wrestling, the grappling, the top control of Jennifer Maya is where her biggest advantages lie in this fight. I think on the feet, the speed, the technical ability, the kickboxing, and the boxing of Viviane Araujo are going to give Maya some trouble. I think Jennifer Maya is going to have some issues, you know, staying on the feet and exchanging with Araujo. But the one thing we do know is that if Maya can get those takedowns, if she can use her wrestling, She can use her top control. She can use her good boxing. She's not a great kicker, but she has good hands. She has good ability to put her boxing combinations together. If she can get in close, make it dirty, make it nasty, I do think she can, you know, slow down Araujo, who we've seen does have cardio issues. If she can't get you out of there or can't like fully control the fight, she will slow down towards the midpoint of the second round into the third round. So Viviane Araujo, I think, is the better fighter overall, but I think the more gritty fighter, the tougher fighter over 15 minutes is going to be Jennifer Maya. And really, sorry guys, I was chewing on some gum. Probably wasn't the best idea. But uh, Viviane Araujo, I feel like, has more advantages in in this fight. And sometimes I side with the more technical fighter. 
the fighter who looks better from a technical perspective. Usually I like to go on that side, but that doesn't always work against a fighter in Jennifer Maya. Like, like they're just tough. They're durable. They walk forward. They get in your face. They make it dirty. And sometimes even if the other fighter is technically better, the less technically seasoned fighter can kind of break the opponent, can kind of get in their head, you know, wear them out, let them expose their cardiovascular issues and slow down from that point. But going into this fight, man, it's really a coin flip for me. And I think the, the, the odds will showcase that. I don't really lean one side heavy, but tough, tough, tough. It's a tough fight to pick. It really is. I'm going to go with Araujo. I'm going to go with Araujo. I'm going to go with the underdog in Viviane Araujo to win via decision. I just feel like she's going to have more output. I feel like she's going to land the bigger shots. I feel like she probably can hang in the grappling with Maya. I think the third round probably goes to Maya, but I'll say Viviane Araujo has the bigger moments in the first two rounds. But I could just as easily see Jennifer Maya winning this fight. So I'll go Viviane Araujo via 29-28 unanimous decision. But it's not my most confident play at all. Like, I'm not super confident in it, but I will go with the underdog and Araujo to get the job done via decision. All right, and now we get to the main event of the evening between the number 11 and 13 ranked featherweights in Super Sadiq Yusuf taking on Edson Jr. Barbosa. Yusuf comes in 13, excuse me, whoo, 13 and 2. Taking on the veteran in Edson Barbosa, coming in with 23 victories and 11 defeats. Barbosa's coming off of that knockout win over Billy Quarantillo. We picked Barbosa in that fight. We picked him by knockout. Uh, he was able to time Billy Q rushing in on that side stance with that knee right up the middle and knock him out cold on a historically very durable fighter in Billy Quarantillo. So that's a good look on Barbosa. Barbosa had that knockout win over... Uh, Shane Burgos, who's over in the PFL now, he's done decently well at featherweight, has a win over Makwan Amir Khani, should have gotten a decision win over Dan Ige, however, they gave the decision to Ige, so technically, Barbosa should have wins over Billy Q, Shane Burgos, Dan Ige, and Makwan Amir Khani at featherweight, um, you know, he lost to Giga Chikadze, I was really hoping we got Barbosa versus Cater. But Barbosa versus Yusuf is a great fight. Yusuf is a very solid boxer, but he has very good low kicks as well. I don't think you want to trade low kick for low kick against Barbosa, who has some of the best low kicks in the in the division and in the UFC regardless. But, you know, Yusuf can chop very well from that southpaw stance. He can chop the inside low kick, chop the outside low kick, find a home for that straight left hand. He's very good at countering the opponent's cross with a cross of his own. He'll kind of counter the cross, come over the top. He'll let the opponent throw it, and then he'll come over the top as they try to retract their shots. He's got very good counters in that regard. Uh, good forward movement. Doesn't make too many mistakes when it comes to overextending or overcommitting on his punches. And I do think he has a grappling and wrestling advantage in this fight, whether it's inside the clinch, whether it's getting takedowns. We've seen him use jujitsu when he submitted Don Shanus. I believe he got him with a guillotine choke in the first round of that fight. Uh, Yusuf's a very well-rounded fighter. I just think he's a fighter who isn't, um, he's a very well-rounded fighter, but I feel like he doesn't get the respect that he deserves. He lost a fight against Arnold Allen. Allen was able to catch him with a straight left hand as he like held his glove, boom, 
caught him as he tried to move away. And then he also caught him with a good head kick from the southpaw stance behind the left cross, which wobbled him, you know, was it had him on shaky legs, um, but he didn't get knocked down there. But he did get that one knockdown with the straight left cross. And, you know, that's not a bad loss. I mean, look how close the fight between Arnold Allen and Max Holloway was. If anything, I think that's a, a tip of the cap to Sadiq Youssef in that fight that he was able to have it be so close because without those knockdowns, I feel like it was a very close fight and a coin flip of a fight, but those knockdowns are what sealed it for Arnold Allen. And I did back Sadiq Youssef in that one. So um, I'm a big fan of Sadiq. I like his style. I like his forward pressure. I like his technical prowess. I like his ability to land big shots on the feet. I like his boxing. I like his ability to go to his wrestling and grappling and inside the clinch, be able to kind of push the opponents up against the cage. If he's, falling short in the kicking range. Um, we saw him go kick for kick with Alex Caceres as well, but he was also able to close that distance off, you know, really chop those inside low kicks against the Orthodox fighter in uh, Alex Caceres. I believe Sadiq is a Southpaw user or, uh, and then Caceres was the Orthodox fighter. He was able to chop those inside low kicks, really just tear up that lead leg. His calf kicks are a big issue. Um, like I said, you don't really want to go kick for kick with Barbosa. The only person I've ever really seen go kick for kick with Barbosa, even though it was short-lived, was uh, Justin Gaethje. You know, uh, Giga Chikadze did go kick for kick with Barbosa. He did get him out of there. Um, I just think I'm going to side with the younger fighter, the fighter with less miles on them. I feel like Yusuf is technically good enough to stand with Barbosa, but I do think we see him use his wrestling and grappling in the third, fourth, and fifth. Um, I think we see a late finish from Sadiq. I could easily see it going to decision. Uh, Barbosa's quick. He's durable. He's tough. We've seen Yusuf get hurt in the past, but we also saw Yusuf go to war with Mike Beast Boy Davis on the Contender Series. That's a Contender Series fight that I feel like doesn't get talked about anymore, but it used to get talked about all the time. One of the best fights in Contender Series history between Mike Beast Boy Davis and Super Sadiq Yusuf. If you haven't checked that out, go ahead and give that a look. I actually interviewed Mike Davis on my podcast as well. Um, you can find that on my YouTube channel at the same name as the podcast in the Touch Em Up podcast. But uh, I think that the better technical kickboxer, without a doubt, is Barbosa. The more explosive fighter is Barbosa. The fighter with the bigger power is Barbosa. But I think the more well-rounded fighter, the fighter who can go to different avenues if one isn't working very well, the better grappler, the better wrestler, the better fight IQ fighter, or the fighter with the better IQ, I think is Super Sadiq Yusuf. I do worry a little bit about his durability because we have seen him get clipped and hurt and rocked, but he's always able to come back. You don't want to get clipped against Barbosa, who's fast, explosive, powerful, um, and just a vicious fighter who can literally knock you out with one shot. But based on the fact that I've seen Sadiq, you know, really find his openings, and then if the striking is too close, he can go to the wrestling, he can go to the grappling, he has jujitsu, he can push his opponents up against the cage. I saw him knock out. I believe he knocked out Andre Feely. Uh, maybe he went to decision with him, though. Let me let me check that out. Hold on, guys. I'm looking it up right now. Um. Okay, it was a decision. So he didn't knock him out. He won via decision. It was Gabriel Benitez I was thinking about. He knocked out Gabriel Benitez, beat Shimmer Marais via decision, beat Andre Feely via decision. Lost to Arnold Allen, but then came back and got a win over Don Shanus and Alex Caceres. And, you know, Caceres is a very, very tough fighter. Um, this is a close one. It really is. It's a great main event. I'm really looking forward to this fight. But I do have to side with Sadiq Youssef, in my opinion. 
I know Barbosa's quick. I know he's explosive. I know he can knock you out with one shot. But I think over five rounds, with the fight IQ that we've seen Yusuf be able to showcase, like I said, his ability to fall back on the grappling, his really solid boxing, his good counters over the punches of his opponents before they bring their guard back, um, ability to rip to the body. And I just think his overall game is a little bit better than Barbosa's, especially at this point in both of their, their careers. I feel like Yusuf is on the upward trajectory where Barbosa is on the downward trajectory, even though he did knock out Billy Q with that knee early in that fight. But give me super Sadiq Yusuf to win this fight via a late finish. I think he gets a late TKO, uh, either ground and pound or on the feet. I'm going to go with super Sadiq Yusuf to defeat Edson Barbosa via fourth round TKO. If you look at the line, Yusuf is the favorite, which I'm actually kind of surprised by. He's at minus 162 to a plus 136 for Barbosa. But yeah, give me the favorite in Super Sadiq Yusuf, the number 11 ranked featherweight, to beat Edson Jr. Barbosa via a fourth round TKO.